today we bring to a close uh, this sermon series we've been doing. The start of every year, we pick one of uh, our uh, focuses, follow, bless and share. This year we've been doing bless. And so the banners behind me here in English and Nepalese, and we've been working our way through the acronym, blessing people, listening to the Holy Spirit, eating with people, studying Jesus' way. And today we finish by talking about what does it mean to step into the story that God has for you. For each one of those, you'll find that we've got a card that sort of with questions on the back that help you think more about what does it mean for me to put these things into practice. And if you want to take things further, this is a, a book that Michael Frost wrote called Surprise the World, where he unpacks each of those things. We actually directly pinched uh, his acronym, BELLS, he called it. We, we changed the uh, learn Jesus way to study Jesus way, so it could say bless because that kind of made more sense than bells. Bells are more in an Anglican church, we're a Baptist, so no, that's a, uh, anyway, it's, it's a good book, uh, and in your sermon notes there's a link to a, a, uh, a web page we have on our page with a whole series of Michael Frost talking about uh, each one of those things. So you'll find the sermon notes for today on the Bible app, uh, and uh, we'll be talking about what does it mean to find your calling. And we actually, for us as a church, it's a central question. And so we've got this little booklet that's available at both sites. It's called Stepping Into Your Calling. And uh, encourage you, if you're, if you're not sure that you know what God has for you, I encourage you just to pull that out and have a bit of a read. It's uh, freely available at both sites. And uh, we, we believe it's our task as your church to help you step into the journey that God has for you. Now, uh, <clears throat> right up front, uh, we'll be talking about three levels of calling, and we need to acknowledge that there are three lies that the world wants to get you to believe that take you away from your calling. The first lie is that you don't matter. That you're going to come and go and what you do each day doesn't matter. That's a lie. The second lie is that you should make all your choices based on your feelings. That's a lie. And the third lie is that you should do what you can to make money so that when you're not working, you can do what you want to do. And so your, your decisions in your life get shaped by making money. Well, and ultimately, you end up living for the weekends or living for the holidays, and there's this wonderful idea of this moment they call retirement, where all of a sudden you can do all the things you want to do. Those three lies are at the heart of our society. And those three lies are things we pick up through our skin and we, we believe it without even being consciously believing it. And so we, we need to look at what does it mean for us to actually step into the calling that God has for us. You see, the Bible has a dramatically different story than that for you calling, we're using the word calling, 
Uh, and it's a picture, it's, calling in the Bible is, a, is this beautiful picture of God being a few steps ahead of you and saying, come on, and calling you forward. And the word is used a number of times. In Thessalonians, we, uh, Paul writes, with this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling. In Ephesians, Paul writes, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. In Peter, uh, Peter writes, therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort. So it's interesting, he's saying it's going to take effort. Make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you'll never stumble. It's so important you know that God is calling you. And he's calling you at three different levels. Now, I don't know, Paul, whether you can chuck this slide up or not, but uh, you'll find in the notes that the, you've got... It's hard to put that so you can see it, isn't it? But uh, there you go. There's, a, there's three levels of calling, and you'll find that in the sermon notes. There is... And the first and most important is your relationship with Jesus. The second is living the Jesus way. And the third is your specific call. Now, I encourage you to uh, pull that up. We've been showing you that diagram for a while, and that diagram is also available in that booklet. Now, today we're, ta we're specifically talking about your specific calling. That's what we mean by, see down the bottom there, where it says sent with a purpose. That's what it means. You are, you are sent with a purpose. Oh, yeah, there we go. That's the, that's the diagram. We'll chuck it up there and the, the, the bit on the black isn't, anyway. Th the, so there you go. Thanks, Paul. We, we, can, get, we can get rid of that now. Um, and and let's, let's start with this. So the, the bit at the bottom and work our way up because while we're talking about your specific calling of the three levels of calling it is actually the least important it's important but it's the least important the first and most important level of calling is that is the antidote to the lie that you don't matter you need to understand that the God of the universe loves you, made you, and wants relationship with you. You matter. The world will tell you, you're here for a short time, so do your best to enjoy it because it's not going to be around forever. This word will tell you you don't matter. You need to hear that you matter. You matter profoundly. 1 Corinthians 1. God is faithful. Who has called you into, listen to this, fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Did you get that? Jesus, it's not like that Jesus is far off or, you know, 
beating you over the head for not being good enough. He actually wants to do life with you, in fellowship with you. The God of the universe who came to earth as a baby boy in Bethlehem and grew up and hung on a cross because you matter. That same baby boy, while he roamed the earth, said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So the fundamental and first question of your life is, are you doing life in relationship with Jesus? Because your life matters. And he's come so that you might have your life. This, life will t- this world will tell you all kinds of lies about what will bring you life. The only thing, ultimately, that will bring you life is your relationship with Jesus. The second lie is that you should live your life doing what feels good. Because that's what leads you to be really happy. It's interesting that that lie keeps getting perpetuated because... We've been living that way for quite a while now. And if there's one thing that people generally aren't, it's happy. Rates of mental health, depression, going through the roof. Because we are told that all you've got to do is trust what's going on inside you and follow that. But I don't don't know about you, what goes on inside me is messy. I have ups and downs. Sometimes I want to do this, sometimes I want to do that. And if your whole equilibrium is based on your feeling world, it's like trying to moor your boat to a bit of seaweed. It's just not going to work. Jesus was very clear. He said, I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. Very truly, I tell you that no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. What we, what we understand in this church, Jesus actually said at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he said, if you want to build your life on solid foundations, then put into practice my teaching. Don't do what you feel like doing. Put my teaching into practice. If you want to build your life on the sand and have the foundations of your life continually being swept away, then ignore my teaching and do what you feel like doing. Our best attempt to try and name what Jesus' teaching is is summed up with those, these acronyms, follow, bless and share. That's why we keep coming back to it. Because I don't think anyone's ever going to get to a point where, where if we take those, these acronyms seriously, what it means to bless people, listen to the Holy Spirit, eat with people, study Jesus' way, sent with a purpose, or the different, the, the different aspects of what it means to follow or to share, you're never going to get to a point where you go, yeah, I've got that sorted. I, don't, I, I know what it means to listen to people, or I, I, I fully understand what it means to worship. No, each one of these things are, are teachings of Jesus and the way he lived his life, and each one of these things are things we want to put into practice. 
So the first level of your calling is that you are called into relationship with Jesus. The second level of calling is that you are called to live Jesus' way. We are all, all Christians are called to imitate and live Jesus' way. We'll always be partial. Thanks, Paul. That's great. Uh, while you're there, can you chuck up this that other diagram? Put him on his toes. This, oh, how's that? Paul deserves a round of applause, don't you reckon? <laughs> Thank you. This is what we understand to mean to, to live the Jesus way. It means that we keep our focus on Jesus and that we do the work of reflecting. To, to be honest with ourselves about where isn't my life in lining up with Jesus' teaching at the moment. You'll notice that the, it says the Holy Spirit. You're going to need the Holy Spirit's help. And as you reflect, you'll recognize the Holy Spirit will help you see stuff. And then the Holy Spirit will lead you to a point where you'll probably need some input, but you'll, you need to make choices. Doing life the way you've always done it is not an option for followers of Jesus. You need to face the part of you that wants to continually pull you back to places where you minimise pain and maximise pleasure. You need to make different choices. And as you make different choices, you'll build, and you'll need fellowship in this, you'll build different habits and your character will gradually reflect more and more Jesus' character. Our goal is to grow so we're more and more like Jesus. And what that means is we're more and more like ourselves. The more I let Jesus take me over, the more truly myself I become. So that's the second level of calling. And this world will be wanting to tell you that, you know, Jesus is going to be asking you to do stuff that doesn't make you feel good, so therefore Jesus is asking you to do things that are wrong. Sorry. Never in the Bible does it promise you'll always feel God good. It does promise, and Jesus promises, that he will set you free. That you will become more and more who you're meant to be. And then there's this final part of your calling, and it's your specific call. And again, we live in a world where economists basically rule our world. We, we live in a, in a capitalist economy. And so what that means is the people with the most money get to make the most decisions. And in our world, there's a bit of a scorecard. And if you have enough money, you can do what you want to do, or at least do a lot of what you want to do. And so the, the message you pick up from the time you're born in our world is uh, get a good job, get enough money so you can do what you want to do on weekends and on holidays. And then if you have enough money, when you retire, you can really have fun. It's kind of the, the, the lie that is perpetuated by our society. You see, at no point does... And, and one of the interesting things for me is I've bumped into lots of people who are busy trying to make enough money so they can do what they know God wants them to do. What that means... If, that is the, if, if that's what's going on for you, that means that Jesus isn't your God, money is. Our task is to allow Jesus to direct our day-to-day -day lives. 
that there is a specific story, a specific purpose that God has for you. And it's never too late to step into the story that God has for you. Never too late. No matter how old you are, it's also never too early to step into the story God has for you. The Bible's pretty clear about this. Ephesians 2.10, we are God's handiwork. There's a bunch of other verses uh, in, in this booklet too, a bunch of other references if you want to do more work on this. But this beautiful picture, we are God's handiwork. The Greek word is poema, the word where we get poem from. Uh, the, we are God's poetry. And, and you are God's masterpiece, is what it's saying. Created in Christ Jesus to do the good works that God planned in advance for us to do. My, at my seminary where I studied um, uh, this, the book of Ephesians, I studied under my professor Sid Page, and he was amazing. Like he, he, people have arguments about which version of the Bible you should read, and, and I end up often getting caught up in those sort of arguments because I have opinions about these things. But he, he would be teaching the Bible and he'd have the original Greek open. And so he would be teaching and translating on the fly uh, the original Greek, which is pretty hard to argue with that. That's, uh, that's, probably the, that's probably the version of the Bible we all need to read, but uh, none of us can actually do it. But it, it, he was reading from the and it was amazing. What he told me was that created in advance for you to do literally means kind of in the Greek. So before the earth was created, God knew you were going to turn up. And he had specific work for you to do. And right the way through the story of the New Testament, it is clear you don't have to do the work that God has for you to do. You can follow the story of this world, get a good job, get some money, live for the weekends, maybe live for some holidays and eventually pass away. You can do that if you like. The only person that misses out in that equation is you. For each one of us, there's a particular journey, a particular blessing that God wants us to bring to the world. I just want to talk briefly, because we talk a bit about calling, and this, is, this, was this idea that there is a specific calling that is U-shaped that no one else will do, there's, 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 I just want to talk briefly about what this means for you. And... All these things I'd normally unpack at greater length. We actually do a whole unit on this in foundations these days. But I just wanna, uh, there's some, some headlines I want to give you just to get you thinking about what it is for you. The first one uh, is that the moment that you are no longer in relationship with Jesus or trying to live the Jesus way, please stop talking about calling. Because you cannot live the calling that God has on your life if you're not in relationship with Jesus and you're not trying to live his way. They are the foundations of any specific calling you have. Secondly, uh, whatever your calling is, it will require you, as Jesus said over and over again, to die to yourself. It won't always feel wonderful. In fact, 
almost everybody I have spoken to or read stories about who God has used has been through dark nights of the soul kind of moments where they have to let go of their sense of security or their sense of what their story is. Whether you start with Abraham and Isaac, where God is inviting Abraham to sacrifice the, the one thing that is the foundation to the promise God gave him. Or, and it's this theme right the way through. I know for me, there have been no, numbers of different times uh, where I've had to let go of what I thought God's plan was for my life. Uh, my hero, Keith Green, uh, had to give up his music only for God to give it back. But when he's giving it up, he doesn't know that God's going to give it back. So this sense in... These, one, of the, 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 one of the dangers when we talk about calling is that somehow you're going to find something that's going to make you feel good all the time. No, fundamentally, th there's this transaction at the heart of our faith that says, if Jesus says over and over again in every gospel, if you're willing to give up your life for my sake, that's when you'll find your life. But if you want to grasp what feels good, if you want to grasp ego security, that's where you'll lose your life, is what Jesus says. And as part of that, <clears throat> in all our specific callings, uh, you'll be required to serve and take on roles that you probably won't enjoy. That there'll be things that God asks you to do. There's this, there's this interesting story in the Gospels where the disciples are arguing, can I be at your left side and, you know, can I be on your right hand and, you know, can, can we be the superheroes who, you know, get all the credit? And Jesus kind of looks at them sadly and says, boys... You really don't know what you're asking. And again, there can be this idolatry of identity that says, if I follow Jesus enough, I'll be able to do things that make me feel better about myself. The, the danger in that is the thing becomes an idol. And so there are people who want to be pastors. There are people who want to be authors. There are people who wanting to... Uh, be YouTube influencers or these days TikTok influencers heaven help us and what they're looking for is an ego benefit or a role I'm sorry if you are doing something that makes you feel good all the time please don't call it ministry because it's not You're, as you open yourself to Jesus' story for you, he will help you face the different sides of who you are. And there is a, there is a messy side to who you are that isn't always going to want to do what he wants you to do. Isn't that true? So this is what it means to actually step into your story. As part of that, you are going to need fellowship. The, the mistake we've made in the Western church is thinking that Christianity is a solo thing. It's about my personal relationship with Jesus. And if everyone doesn't agree with me, then I'll just go and find people who will. Uh, and uh, there is a, there's actually a real danger at the moment 
uh, as since COVID that a number of people are just connecting with church online and picking and choosing the churches they like online. Watching church online is a gift, particularly for people who can't get out of the house. But if you're not in relationship, you're not actually engaging with church. You're just watching something. It's a different thing. You, I know you need relationship. I know I need relationship. I also know, as we talk about in our church, we're on a journey towards that. We're not yet near the kind of community that we know Jesus has in his heart when he prays, Father, I pray they might be one as you and I are one. I know that we want, that's the community we want to be. But it's also a pretty complicated thing in our Western individualist world which says you should base your world on your feelings because the more you hang out with people, you'll find the more people annoy you. Have you noticed that? The more difficult people are the more hard to understand they are. And this is, but you will, you will, if you're going to find your story, you will not find your story on your own. And it won't be easy. But you need real fellowship. A couple of other things. Uh, as you step into your story, there are, there's a bit of a grid that'll tell you whether you're on track or not. One is that uh, in foundations, we teach a unit called the glory of God. Who's done foundations? Who, who remembers what the glory of God is? This is uh, okay, you're going to do it again. That's a, <laughs> uh, the glory of God is his nature that is revealed to Moses in Exodus 34 and it becomes a major theme right the way through the Bible. That, that Exodus 34 passage is the passage most referenced by the Old Testament in the Old Testament. So it's a passage most referred to by other parts of the Old Testament. And what it shows is God is just, merciful, and compassionate. And so what it means is, as you step out into your calling, you will always be producing and living from a, the, what it means to be just, what it means to be merciful, what it means to be compassionate. The other thing that will tell you you're on the right track is that we were talking last week about the Garden of Eden and how the Garden was created as a place of order, beauty and abundance. And that this world is not always ordered, beautiful and abundant, is it? There is a, a false brand of Christianity that says, hang on to Jesus and he will give you all, he will or do all the work for you, he will order your life for you, he will give you all that you need and... Uh, he'll make everything beautiful for you. This is not true. What it does, what is true though, is you follow Jesus, you, you will be his agent to bring order to your family or to your church or to your workplace. You'll be an agent of order. You'll also be an agent of beauty. God cares about beautiful things. God cares about a beautiful world. You'll be an agent of God's beauty and you'll be an agent of God's abundance. You, you, people will receive blessing because you're around. That's, I'd love, again, each one of these points I'd love to spend a lot more time on, but I know I'm running out of time, so I'll just keep motoring through. But just a bit of a grid there. Sometimes you're going to discover that God's calling you to keep on going on the path you're already on. Sometimes you'll discover that God's asking you to make new choices, to head in a different path. Whatever happens, 
your calling will also always be a response to the needs you see around you. Some people will want to say, to find your calling, what you need to do is find some space and go down deep and, and work out what feels right. Well, Jesus actually says, here's the measure. As he, as he talks about what his direct teaching about Judgment Day. He's saying, I'm going to be looking around for the people who turned up and, fed, and when people were hungry, they responded. When people were in prison, they responded. When people were naked, they responded. Jesus is going to be looking around for people who responded to the actual needs in the community with your actual neighbours, with the people you bump into. Those needs for order, beauty and abundance are things you can't ignore. Now, as you open yourself to God's calling, it will also be true that you'll find that his calling on your life will, will reflect his gifting of you and will reflect who he's created you to be and you'll become more and more you as you do it, but you'll find your calling in the needs around you. Does that make sense? So just as we close... I love Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. It's one of my favourite passages. And there's this picture. Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Because he's just, in Hebrews 11, talked about the great chapter of faith, talked about the people who have gone before us. And Jesus makes it clear that Abraham, like Moses and, and Elijah turn up to have a chat with God and the Pharisees talk to him about... Um, uh, whether there is resurrection or not. And he says, you guys just don't get it. God is the God of Abraham and Isaac and, and uh, Jacob. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, Bill. Always nice to have Bill up the back of the road. Back of the road. And, um, and what he's saying is, th- these guys are still alive. And, and we see uh, Moses and Elijah turn up to chat to Jesus. There's this picture that there are... If you can imagine, the, the current test match that's happening is being played in the biggest cricket stadium in the world, in India, that they were saying they were going to fill, but they really haven't. It's been a bit embarrassing for them, I think. Um, but uh, if you imagine a, a stadium... I mean, the MCG feels big, but that, that stadium's even bigger, but it's hard to imagine a stadium full of all the people who have gone before us. You see, we live in a world that says you should do what you feel like doing. And if you, but you imagine like the Olympic race and there's a race marked out for us, which is what this says. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses cheering us on, let us throw off everything that hinders. I wonder for you what holds you back from the story that God has for you. I wonder if it's at that first lie that you don't matter. You need to hear that you matter. God loves you and has a plan for your life. You matter. I wonder if it's that second lie that you should be doing what feels good all the time. Or I wonder if it's that third lie that somehow you should be doing you know, whatever you need to in order to get enough money so you can do what feels good. Let's throw off all the stuff that holds us back, is what Hebrews says, and let us run with perseverance. 
important to hear that because there are going to be lots of times where you feel like giving up, where Satan will be coming in and saying, here's all the reasons why you, you should now do what feels good and get away from what's difficult. There, at, the, at the centre of our faith is a call to perseverance, to run with perseverance. But how do you do that? Fixing our eyes on Jesus. It's tempting, isn't it, to want to fix your eyes on all the stuff that is unresolved in your life, to fix your eyes on the pain, points of pain in your life, to fix your eyes on something that, you know, promises somehow to make life more enjoyable. If only I could have that. Your task is to take your eyes off all that stuff and to fix your eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of your faith. And there's this lovely picture that's like, uh, um, we, we had, we've had a couple of people in our church who participate in blind athletics and, 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 and disabled athletics. And often in the, in the disabled athletics, is if the, where blind people run, they have a person running who's like the guide, who's showing them where to go. And I don't know if it's like that, but it's this, this picture that Jesus is a few steps ahead of you. And he's saying, come on. Come on, Annette. Come on, Bob. This is the way. This is the way. Come with me. Do life in fellowship with me. Don't let this world's lies suck you into avoiding the race and missing the race that's in front of you. You might feel like you've been off the racetrack for a while, busy about other stuff. You might feel like you've never started the race. It's never too late, ever too late to get back on the track. And Jesus, is, I reckon, is sort of smiling, saying, come on, let's go. I'm just going to pray, and the band will come up at Mornington. But I just want to encourage you just to be praying and thinking, okay, what does it mean for me? to step into the calling that God has on my life? What does it mean to me, for me not to be, have my life determined by the lies of the world? The lies that we so quickly believe? What does it mean to me to be open? What does it mean for me to fix my eyes on Jesus and let him guide me? Let's pray. Jesus, we acknowledge we acknowledge how easy it is for us to take our eyes off you. It's so easy. And there's so many messages coming at us every day about doing what feels good, following some other agenda. Jesus, we don't want to follow any other agenda. You promise that if we give up our lives to you, that's where we find our lives. We have, if we're honest, we have tried all kinds of other options. And we are sorry. Jesus, help us be honest with ourselves. Help us not delude ourselves when we're off running some other race. Help us be open to the race you have for us. 
and help us look at your smiling face as you say, come on, let's go. We know we need your help. In your name, amen.